All right, go, go. In five, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it. In five, four. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. And we will leave you with a. I can't do it. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. How fucking thing sucks. Five, four, three. Shut up. Shut up. End of day. I'm taking it back. Taking it all back. We live in a society now where it's furniture here. Get it out there. We don't care what we're Anything you practice, you'll get good at. Including. In, was it 1997, Michael? Anil? And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day. All the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I am a mere figment of your imagination. I look forward to once again serve you those conscious coma-inducing vibrations. First-time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a different kind of show. A place where you don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Live and direct right now on the TuneIn radio app. Search End of Days or go to michaeldeacon.com. You'll be able to find the program there. I think you'll be able to find the program there. Please don't forget, this is a call-in show. That number is 760-332-8724. My guest tonight is Peter Kling, considered the Einstein of a biblical prophecy. Peter Kling began his education in the scriptures before the age of five and his education in the sciences by the age of ten. Peter first started seeing future events at the age of nine and had alien contact at the age of 18. Once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Hello, boys and girls. Thanks for being here with me one more time. I would love to get into so many things here, but I believe the guest is ready to get down here. Let's see what's going on with him. Oh, he was listening to the intro there. Fantastic. Oh, there he is. Peter, how are you? Yes, Michael. Oh, there you are. <laughs> Skype seems to be lagging a little bit. <laughs> you know, that's I noticed that, and I, I couldn't really hear myself right now, and I started freaking out. Yeah, don't you hate that? I, I used to do my own radio show, and, you know, all of a sudden, uh, back, oh, they would hack the heck out of my show. Unbelievably, they would hack the heck out of it. But, uh, oh, wow. yeah, so all of a sudden you hear dead air, and it's like, what happened? <laughs> well, that's, ac that's actually what happened just now. Uh, not surprised. Not surprised. It, hopefully we'll get through this show, and we'll get a bunch of information out. Yeah. Um yeah, I've got kind of an interesting background. Started a very long time ago, and it culminated. It's it's still going on. And um, there was one question. Well, actually, when I was nine years old, I got to see the future. And when you actually then live through what you got to see, it creates quite an quite an impact. And at that age, I'd already had five years of biblical education, so I know stories about Samuel and how uh, Yahweh used him in order to correct the, the actual high priest and his sons. And I thought, you know, I'm just a kid. Could this possibly happen to me? And it's an interesting, when it happened, I, I ran home and ran up the stairs. My mom was washing dishes, and the dinner dishes, and I said, Ma, Ma, I had a dream that came true. And she said, well, that's nice, dear. It's time for you to go to bed. And I was like, what? And, and so... 
I didn't have anybody to talk to to, to work right. out the scriptural side of what had happened. And I remember laying there lamenting this all night long and even the next day. Uh, and that turned me to science. I said, there has to be an explanation to how I got to see something in the future and then live through what I saw. And so uh, it created a paradox. Imagine a nine-year-old with a paradox in his life. Oh, trust me, I went through something just like that at that age and got in a lot of trouble for it, yes. Well, yeah, it's interesting the things that start to happen in, in your life. And, and so I would do my best to pay attention to when what we would call clairvoyant or precognitive things would happen and try to look for a pattern. And I could never, you know, I, I could pick out little things, but, you know, as a kid, you, you're trying to learn this. And, and I also turned to science and looked for answers there. As a matter of fact, I went right down into chemistry and biology. They were my majors. And there weren't any real answers in science. And interestingly enough, when you've got the scriptures in one hand and you've got an education in science in the other hand, you, you know, you've got evolution versus creation, right? And so Correct. I'm thinking, well, I, I believe in creation. Evolution still is a theory no matter how you slice it. But we didn't have the sciences to put them both together. They hadn't been in – well, they – were kind of invented, but they were just coming about, that we were just starting to understand them, and I'll explain that in a minute. Uh, but I, I came across something that, that really answered a lot of questions, and it was, this was back in 1978. I, I found this class, of somebody that I was working with in the laboratory had told me about it, and it caught my interest. Back then it was called silver mind control, and my family thought I was going off to join a cult. Oh, no. <laughs> no, this is a fantastic class. Uh, it was developed by a man by the name of Jose Silva. He, he was uh, an electronics expert, and he uh, did a lot of research into how our brain actually works, and he, his research is that is based in Edgar Cayce's work. So he learned a, a, a way to meditate and then start to use your consciousness to create future events. And, you know, we all create our future each and every day, it's, and it's easy as making a cheese sandwich. You know, if you're sitting there and you get hungry and you think, well, I want a cheese sandwich, you think about it for a minute, you get a little bit more hungry, you think about it some more, and it's like, yeah, we got the ingredients, I'm going to go make myself a cheese sandwich. And you turn the fantasy into reality, it's just that easy. Yeah, some things true. just take a little longer. <laughs> oh, yes. And, you know, I want to go back in time here with you because um, reading your bio here, it says you had... Uh, all sorts of strange happenings in your life. And, of course, you had that alien contact at the age of 18. Yeah, and, you know, you look for, for answers through this, and, and boy, there, there was an answer for this when they came back kind of to haunt me uh, 40 years later. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, yeah, uh, I'll explain this. This is really kind of interesting. At the age of 18, now this is when Eric Von Daniken did his book, uh, wrote his book, Chariot of the Gods, and... I still hadn't understood how to how to use your mind correctly and and what things are are you're capable of. Uh, I, I would see the future every now and now and then and get to live through it, and it, that was kind of interesting. You know, it became not wouldn't say the norm, but I would know things before they would happen, and then they would happen. I was like, okay, I was right again. Um, you sound like me now. <laughs> you're very intuitive. Yeah. Well, that, that's part of all of us, and I'll get to that more because oh, yes. th this is how we're using our consciousness. Our consciousness is tied into our soul. It's part of our life force, and and, and this is all kind of cool stuff. 
Um, but what had happened at that time, yeah, I had alien, what I would call alien contact. There's no other way to put it. And I was very interested in doing a lot of research as much as you could. We didn't have the internet back then. You know, you, you look from magazine articles and books that, a book that might come out. You went to your library and, you know, you, you'd hear things in the news or right. on the newspaper and there'd be strange. Mm-hmm. You, it was like looking for hen's teeth, you know, kind of looking for the, to use that, the needle in a haystack. Yes. It was hard to come across. And, um, lo and behold, one night, well, I, I went to bed and, and I'm thinking this is probably about 1130 or so. Uh, I wake up and there's somebody in my room that says, look, the prince arrives and there's flashing lights outside my bedroom window. And I jump up out of bed, run past this entity and I look outside and, and what I'm seeing is something that looks like the chariot of the gods. Uh, it, it's a landing craft. It's all gold. It's horses, uh, all, all metallic and horses blended into a chariot and, and there's an operator there that's got a crown and he's got a dark beard and dark hair and it, it lands on the other side of the house. Now, when I run around to the other side and look out the other window, it's not, nothing's there. And I'm like, wait a minute, what just happened? Well, that started a series of events where, and I can't, the best way that I guess I can explain it, I don't know if I was actually taking, taken somewhere, whether it was a mind meld or, or something or a memory implant. Oh, Cause okay. all you have is a, is all I have is a memory of it after it happened. An out of body experience for sure. I was never taken to a spaceship. I was taken underground and I was told that I was going to meet the prince. And, but very human looking creatures. They look just like us, just a little bit taller, male and female. At least that's the way they appeared. And everyone was dressed in the same type of very futuristic material, but like a monk's robe was that type of design. And I was required to wear one as well. And it was more like, you know, get to know who we are. And all this time, I'm listening to them and conversating with them, but I never hear any references back to anything within the scriptures that would make me think these are the good guys. And now if they could get, if they could manipulate my mind, they couldn't understand my thoughts. And the last time that we, I had a visitation with them or they, they took me, uh, we were in this room, large room. It's a bunch of people talking. It was kind of like a, a chamber of commerce party almost, or a mixer, you know, where different people were talking. And this one entity gets up into the front of the room and he says, can I have everyone's attention? And they, everyone stops and pays attention. I talk, I stop too. And he says, we need someone to kill Peter Kling. And I turned oh, no. next to, yeah. Wow. I turned, yeah, it made my jaw drop. Uh, I turned next to my quote friend here who was my guide with him. And I said, why do they want to kill me? And he said, just simply said, because you crossed the line. And I could never understand what that was. Fast forward. For, now, at this time, I was dating the, the, what I thought was the, the gal of my dreams. I loved her parents. They, they, they were just great people, in, in my opinion. Fast forward 40 years. Uh, I get a call a few years ago, a couple years ago in, in September, and it's this gal that I was dating back with, back when... I was 18 and uh, I had we established reestablished a connection on Facebook. You know, it's if you want to find out my latest post, go to Facebook. It's there. Join, join me. I still have a decent amount of friends left. <laughs> uh, oh, that's so funny. I sprint spaces before I get to 5,000, I should say. Um, 
But, uh, so we reestablished contact. Long story short, she, she calls me up this, this one Sunday morning and she has her sister on the phone. I haven't seen her sister. I haven't talked to her sister since she was 12 years old. Okay. Long, long time ago. And, uh, come to find out that her sister has this very, had this very bizarre life and she's in this very controlling relationship. And it's, it's like you wouldn't believe these things. And, and I was kind of help, you know, playing mental help with help you today because you need a friend. And, uh, I discovered that she had, was being controlled by an archonic life form. Now to get an idea of what an archon is, uh, think of a vampire. They literally suck the soul out of our body. And that has to do with child sacrifice right. and, and child trafficking. Oh no. That, that, yeah. That's another, another subject. It's Things another got dark major, now. major reason with the pedophilia. So uh, I, I realized what, what's going on here. And, and it, we had made such great progress and all of a sudden everything just literally turned overnight. And I went back and I told her sister, I said, I said, look, you know, your sister's got issues. I can't help her. I think she's got an archon controlling her life. And her sister said, it's the box. I was like, what box? And she said, my, my dad's toolbox. And then the stories came out. Dad was a very high level Freemason and mommy dearest was a high ranking uh, member of the Eastern star. And the stories just continue. Now, what was interesting is that, uh, this, this friend of mine who I dated back at 18, her, her and her husband had uh, moved into this house, uh, back in January. And it, she told me that it had been the worst financial year for them. They, she was in real estate. She was literally real estate agent to the astronauts, uh, down in Texas. And, uh, back when Johnson, the Johnson Space Center was alive and going. Right. Um, and, uh, she said it's just been a disastrous year for them both. And so we, we put all this together. And when she, when I mentioned this, she brings up the box and all this stuff comes out about her dad. And one of the things that her sister said is that when she was, you know, just a, a small kid, like four or five years old, one of their uncles would constantly molest her in front of everybody. Oh my and God. And she couldn't understand why that was going on. And it's all part of, you gotta get above the 33rd or 32nd degree with, with, with the rights in order to get to understand this because once you get to that level, you become a, a priestess of Isis, Horus, and Set. A priest, I should say, of Isis, Horus, or Set. Richard Holden brought that out. I know about that, yeah. <laughs> right? So, all about you, know, that, yeah. you can learn things all <laughs> over the place. Um, now, uh, but here, this one strikes close to home. So we have a conversation. She hangs up the phone, and that was on a Friday. She she calls me on Sunday. She says, you're not going to believe this. Uh, last night, I woke up in the middle of the night fighting something I couldn't see, and before it left, it twisted my ankle and sprained it. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah, and she sent me a picture of her, of her ankle, and, yeah, it was all swelled up. Fighting something she couldn't see. Uh, the, the very next Monday she went, I was talking to her and she was clearing out all of mommy's stuff, all of daddy's stuff, whatever they had. She talked to her sister, said, you got to get rid of the box. And I said, look, put it back in the safe deposit, you know, the valuable stuff, get rid, get rid of all the questionable stuff. If it's personally valuable, put it into storage, just get it out of the house. And so I kind of let it sit and, you know, that was kind of it for about 10 days or so. And I thought, you know, I hadn't heard from her. Let me give her, you know, I sent her a text. How you doing? She, she, she texts me back. Can't talk to you now. It's been raining buyers and sellers. 
her business literally to, and I did talk to her a couple of days after that. She said the following Wednesday, she started, started getting phone calls, people wanting to buy and sell their houses. She, cause she didn't, she, she was going, she was starving before that. She was so busy within those 10 days by removing that stuff out of her house. She, she literally didn't have time to talk. So it brings me back to when I had this alien contact. What kind of entity was I dealing with that was connected to this gal and her family that could have caused these memories back then or could have caused alien contact? Do we have aliens? Oh, yes, we do. It's part of the rebellion, which is quite interesting, which is actually why I, why I came here to talk about in the first place. Right. You know, we we as humans go on forever. Asking the same question generation after generation. Where did we come from? Why are we here? Yes. What is our future? And so once you take all the knowledge and you put it together, now I, I said the sciences weren't developed. Here's an interesting thing. The year that I was conceived, 1955, we started to get the first of the sciences that we needed in order to understand the scriptures. Forget religion. Religion doesn't have a clue. If you go to Revelation, religion gets destroyed. You want to know what the church is doing? If, if it's following what the scriptures say, go to the Ten Commandments, read the first five, and then walk into your local church. See how many of the first five the church is breaking. I rest my case. That's why in Revelation yes. 17 and 18, religion gets destroyed. What has religion done for the earth? We'll look at the origins of religion in a minute because it's not from Christianity or, or I say, Christ's roots. It goes all the way back to the Anunnaki and the Sumerian Empire. That we are Society is worshiping the same gods that gave us uh, what we call civilization. Remember where civilization right. starts, the fertile, the fertile crescent? Yes, and yeah. Peter, by the way, before we uh, continue forward, I did want to ask you about your parents. Were, were they themselves also, um, were they abducted or were they ever um, a witness also to strange lights in the sky themselves? No, I, I can't say that they were. I'm, I'm a throwback. And here's the interesting thing. And I'm just going to sidestep at, at where we came from, where we're going to, yes. what our purpose is and where we're going. Um, I, I've been trying to find my family history for eons. And the closest that, that I've been able to do is back in the 1990s, I have a cousin over in Germany that traced our roots back to France. My, my grandfather's mother, uh, her family were French Huguenots who were escaping French persecution during the French Holy Wars. It wasn't until two years ago, actually it'll be two years ago, uh, this March, March 2018, I came across an article finally online which took us back to our root, which took me back to our roots. The only thing I knew about our family is that we were bell makers and my, my grandfather had this in, inherent hate for the Catholic Church. Never could understand that until I found our roots. We went back to Eastern Germany. We were bell makers. The original name was Klingenschmidt. We were personal friends of Martin Luther. We stood besides Martin Luther when he, when he uh, nailed his 95 point thesis on the door of worms. We helped hide Martin Luther during the beginning of the Reformation while he translated the Bible from Latin into German, which was later printed on the Gutenberg press. And for that, because we renounced the church, the Roman Catholic Church hunted my family down for over 200 years, murdering them wherever they could find them. Wow. Yeah. So, so now wait a minute. Here we are in the, the this past October 31st is the 500th year anniversary of the Reformation against the church. Look at what the church is doing today. Do we not need a Reformation against the church again? It, it's pretty bad, especially some of these um, pastors that you know how, are raking you know how much, so much money. 
you know how much the church has paid out since these allegations of abuse, sexual abuse to, uh, you know, the choir boys and, and whomever else these priests have gotten a hold of? They have paid out nearly $4 billion. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Congress has paid out $15 million, just a, pit, a pittance of what the church has paid out. Think of yes. how many, if I got, if I recall correctly, the church owns just over 20,000, uh, orphanages and child homes around the planet. You want to talk about a supply of children? Oh, I know, right? That, that's, um, pretty suspicious there. And Peter, I must say, I'm an agnostic atheist myself. I know, I know that's confusing for a lot of people out there, but I enjoy talking about these. Uh, subjects greatly. I've been talking about it for so many years before I even did this program. And, you know, I get into these conversations with all sorts of religious figures on and off the air. And I always like to bring up the Old Testament. I I find that very problematic for myself. Well, you know, here's the here's the problem. The problem's not the the, the scriptures. The problem is religion. That yeah, that always comes down to man's word. Here's the thing. I had this issue. Of you know, evolution, creation, science, <laughs> religion. It wasn't religion. I never learned religion. At the earliest ages, I was told, stay away from religion, stay away from politics. Do never get involved in either one of them. I was forbidden by, by my mentors. And, you know, this wasn't a mommy-daddy thing. This was – I had much older people educating me in the scriptures yes. along the, along this way. Um Considering my background, I can understand, my family background, I can understand that when you look at how we have genetic memory, I'm going to be prone to believe certain things based on my genes yeah. back all the way through my history. That's correct. So, you know, it's just a matter of finding the right one. Let's give this, let's put this one in some, now when I say let's put this one into some interesting situations and see how it turns out, I'm indicating a higher power or a maneuver by someone outside of my control. But let's go back. You brought up the Old Testament. Let's go back. You see, I had that same problem. And I, and I remember this day clearly. It was, it was 1980, 81. I was in working in a laboratory and I had, was waiting for a batch or an experiment to get done. And while I had some time, I was reading the book of Job, the 38th chapter, and I'm reading mm-hmm. it down around the, the, uh, the 20th verse and uh, Yahweh asked Job, have you seen my storehouses of ice and snow, which I have saved for the day of distress and war? Now remember, this is around 1980-81. And, and so I'm thinking, what would Job know about storehouses of ice and snow? He lived in the Middle East. So I said, okay, well, let's use my, my meditative skills. And I went, went down to, I went from, we work, we typically, we work or we act in beta. We relax in alpha and we, uh, we also pray in alpha. We, we like to make love in alpha. And then what, if we're in deep prayer or meditation, we go into theta. Theta is a great place. Um, theta, all the rules of the third dimension end and we start, we can go anywhere in space and time and to any dimension in which we choose to go. And so what I did is I went back to, to, and put myself right in the body of Job. And I looked the world around what Job saw. I looked actually right through his eyes and I saw, oh, there's snow on the mountaintops. They don't look like any storehouses. And so what I started to do mentally is to elevate myself above the world, above the planet. And then I saw the, the poles and I thought, oh, the North Pole.
Cold South Pole. Yeah, there's a lot of ice there, isn't it? <laughs> right. You know, I might remember that. You know, come on. So I'm thinking, okay, well, what do you do with it? What do you do? Well, what are the properties of ice and snow? You either make more of it or you melt it. And I thought, well, if you melt the poles, this is 1980, if you melt the poles, you're going to redistribute the water weight around the earth, which is going to put stresses on the, on the mantle, which is then going to cause tectonic shifts, which is then going to create earthquakes, which will then fulfill Matthew, the 24th chapter of earthquakes in one place after another, which is exactly what we had since 1998. And since USGS said we went up 500% in earthquakes in 1998. Why? Why? What, they perfect harp? There's another question. But let's go back. You're an atheist. Don't believe in God. I can't prove crap to you. However, no, I'm not an atheist. Use, I'm, I'm an agnostic. Sorry, agnostic. Yes. If, if we go back and use science, you see science, one of the greatest sciences that, that were developed, and unfortunately it's a theory, but it's always going to remain a theory just because we don't have the technology to prove it yet. String theory, string theory, which gives way to M theory, which gives way to super string theory. When they developed string theory, it was one of the greatest things that they did because now we can understand Heaven and Earth. String theory simply says that all energy is made of matter. Even photons are made of matter, and matter that vibrates at a specific speed. Uh, and so it also says something else. It says that we live not in three dimensions, but we live in a ten-dimensional multiverse. And in order for our three physical dimensions to exist, there needs to be seven other spatial planes to support our three physical dimensions, which means that our three physical dimensions that get created or that come into existence. Think about that. Now, uh, if we go back to the singularity, what's called the singularity, it, it, here's an interesting verse. It, it's in Revelation where, where Yahweh says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Before me, nothing existed, and after me, nothing will exist. Uh, well, okay. If that's a true statement, and we know that uh, one of the first laws of physics is that we can neither create matter or destroy matter, but we can only change its, or I'm sorry, create energy or destroy energy. We can only change the form of energy, kind of like striking a match. We're changing that those chemicals on the end of the match into heat and smoke and flame and light and a bunch of other things. But we, we transform the energy. We didn't destroy it. We just transformed it. So if nothing existed, if nothing was, was in existence, that means the only thing that could have possibly existed is pure dynamic energy. Energy in its most pure form or state, kind of like antimatter. Uh, if you had, uh, comprehend antimatter, listeners, you know, go look it up or, or go watch the movie. What, what was it? Uh, uh, that Brown second movie, uh, Angels and Demons. <laughs> oh, yes. I remember that film. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they talk about antimatter there. Anyway, um, so that's all that could have existed was just one dimension. That's all that would have needed to, to exist, just one dimension of pure dynamic energy. Now, we have to make one assumption, but this, assumption with this, but this is a pretty safe assumption. We have to assume that this energy was conscious. Why? Because we are conscious. And this energy came up with a concept, a fantastic concept. It's the concept of love. The more you give, the better you feel. The more you get, the better you feel. And it works on so many different levels. You can love your dog. You can love your car. You can love your house. You can love your kids. You can love your significant other like no one else can. And so, wow, in order for this energy to feel love, it has to create another type of energy that can sense love. And so it does. And so in, in John, the first chapter, we have the creation of the word and the word was a God and the word was with God. And so then that would require three dimensions. And so now if, the, if other life forms were created, which is exactly what the scriptures say, it would require more dimensions. What? Maybe another 
four dimensions for them to live in, giving a total of seven spatial planes before we get to the physical three dimensions and the pinnacle of creation, which are the human children of the creator himself, which is where we go back and pick it up, pick up the, the, the story in Genesis. You see, when we add science to what is written within the scripture, we get a story which is supports itself, especially when we get to one particular uh, place, and that is Genesis. Uh, you got to love this one. I love Genesis. There's some interesting stories there. Yeah. Well, we're going to focus on one right here. Oh, yes. Go ahead. Uh, Genesis 2, the second chapter, uh, and the 20th verse, I'm sorry, the 21st verse, it says, So Yahweh caused man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of his ribs, and then he closed the flesh up over its place, and he went to build a rib that he had taken from the man into a woman. And he brought her to the man, and the man said, This is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, because from man she was taken. This is a record of genetic engineering. Plain and simple. Now, who are the genetic engineers? A record of genetic engineering, and we couldn't understand that that was a record of genetic engineering until the 1960s when we figured out that, hey, we could genetically uh, engineer DNA. And then we find out that DNA is is wrapped all throughout the scriptures. Interesting. So that starts to to, to bring us to another a, a lot of questions. Now, if we go back to Genesis, the first chapter, it says, "Let God and God said, let us, plural, make man in our image. And so it, in God's image, he was uh, created man and woman. And what is the image? Is it our physical likeness or is it our soul? You see, our physical likeness is dictated by the very planet itself. As a matter of fact, genetic engineers have have now now understand that one strand of human DNA, take one strand of human DNA, and you can create or recreate all life that ever existed here on Earth ever, all the way back to the cyanobacteria. Hence, you can find a long lineage in our DNA, but we are the pinnacle. The problem is our DNA uh, we use up our telomeres and our DNA unravels and we die. But what if we didn't have telomeres and our DNA, DNA was connected at the end and it never unraveled? Would we die? Interesting thing. You look at the fruit in Genesis and it says that from the very day of their eating of it, they would die. But what happened? Well, is it possible that the fruit contained a virus which then attacked our DNA? Put maybe a telomere virus which clamped uh which cut it in half and put clamp uh countdown timers on both ends so every time it would replicate we'd lose a set of telomeres and we'd be close to one more day closer to death and so adjust the amount of telomeres that are on the end of our DNA and you can adjust the lifespan of man hence Adam lived over 900 years Methuselah the oldest recorded lived 969 years and then there That's are a places in the scriptures yes. where those dates start to be reduced in the days of Noah things got so bad God said I, I regret that I made man I'm going to reduce his days down to 150 years yeah, so how do you do always, it? reduce the telomeres yeah it's always been strange to me yeah, but there's a scientific explanation to it. The, the, the question is, where, how did we get here? Why do we have aliens? Why, what is our purpose? Why are things so screwed up? Yeah. Uh, we don't have enough time to go into all of it. That's about a three or four hour discussion. Oh, I know. There, there's so much to cover here. Letters to Earth, 
The future is yours. That's Mm -hmm. the book that it's all in. Letters to Earth, the future is yours. It has some fantastic information in it. I haven't finished reading it, by the way, I must be honest. That's quite all right. It's a great book, though. Thank you very much. It gives a, a, a plausible explanation to how we got here through genetic engineering. It's obvious. But where does our soul come in? Yeah, I've had a really bizarre life. I, I should have been dead a bunch of times, was once, and got sent back. You had now a near-death this, experience, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Th- th- this was quite – now, this was different from any uh, any other time that I was c- close to death or I wasn't ready to cross over anytime soon. This time was different. I was on my way. Uh, they were wheeling me down a hospital corridor and had nurses, a couple of nurses and a doctor, and uh, they had just performed a, a procedure, and something was, went wrong. And – I knew something was going wrong, and I couldn't say anything. I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything but literally move my eyes. That's all I could do is move my eyes, and and I I can't get any message out. And I'm starting to really sweat it, and then all of a sudden, bang, I am out of my body looking down at them, wheeling my body down the, down the corridor, and instead of everything being in color like it just was, now everything's in shades of black and white. And there's a force that is physically pulling me away from my body. And all these things are running through my consciousness. So, you know, I just started a new chapter in my life. I just got married. I, I just, we just had a child. I started a new job. You know, all these stress things that, you know, uh, and brand new chapter. And it was all going. It was all going literally before my eyes. And I had no control over it. I was just getting further and further away. And my consciousness was enveloped in this cloud-like or, or smoke-like material. I question whether it's ectoplasm or, or some sort of energy. And, and I noticed the last little wisp of it coming out of my chest as I was being pulled away. My consciousness changed to from I had no control over where I was and I was being pulled in this direction so I wanted to see where I was going to. And I was physically connected to the great white light. I could see this stream of energy going all the way back up to the light and then going right around the uh, event horizon and being pulled in. And I was amazed and I thought, wow, I guess I'm going to see what this is all about. And as I'm waiting to, to be drawn into the great white light, that pulling sensation that I was feeling stopped and it reversed and it started pushing me away and it put me back in my body. Now, notice I've talked about my body as something separate from my consciousness and my life force right a lot you talk to anybody who's had a near-death experience and they just about every single one has had a different experience they're all like snowflakes no two are alike but what i experienced was very much exactly what's written in genesis the ninth chapter the the fourth and fifth verse where it says um noah comes out of the ark he's now allowed to eat meat and but there's a prohibition you're not allowed to eat the blood and why because yahweh says within the blood contains the soul and he goes on to say, I shall ask back the soul from every living creature. For a man himself, I shall ask back his soul. And so the soul is connected to the blood, and the soul belongs to the creator. Now think about child sacrifice and all, and everything that's starting to come out in the news here. Oh, my goodness, yes. And, of course, lots of ancient cultures uh, did all sorts of different sacrifices to the serpents. Yes, uh, you can – that there's – Molech worship is probably the most prevalent, and that is most noted by the Canaanites. As a matter of fact, archaeologists have found the places where these were, where these child sacrifices have been done, and they can't imagine, they can't comprehend the amount of child's bones that they are finding. 
seriously. But the first Molech actually goes back to Egypt, to the god Set. He was a homosexual, bisexual god that required child sacrifice. And Molech is actually a title. It means terrible god. Which is true. Yeah. That's, so, that's awful. Yeah, absolutely. So now when we look at where, you know, there's, a, there's actually two versions of creation. Uh, and since the finding, and uh, I guess pretty much since uh, Zacharias Stitchin's work, and there are more people getting involved in, in digging up the Sumerian text, and then you wonder what they found over there during the Iraq <laughs> Gulf War too. Yeah, there was all oh. sorts of uh, different things found, and I, I, there was a – what's his name? L.A. Marzulli. Yeah, there we go. He, he had mentioned a couple of things out there as well. I'm not sure if they, you're familiar with him, but I'm sure you are. Yeah, absolutely. L.A. and I both agree you can't trust aliens. Yeah, see, there, there's another – that brings me to another gentleman. Um, he, uh, Yeah, Stephen Quayle, rather. He also believes that these ETs are demons. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, but you, you have to understand this, that they're – what I propose is that, look, life on Earth was genetically engineered. You got more and more genetic information that was added in through time. We've got that recorded in the fossil record. However, there seems to be a gap between Cro-Magnon, Neanderthal, and modern man or the creation of Adam, which is totally different because Adam was given the soul of Yahweh, of, of the creator. He was made in that we were, were made in the same image. And it's interesting when we... It, when we reflect that image, it, in, it makes us creators. We start to create things, and we can create our future. People who don't create look to the past and, and live in their old memories. But people who are, who are ha- more happy in life are creating their futures all the time. They're always out doing something. they got a goal. And yeah. they seem to be more, you know, j- just generally speaking. They're manifesting what they want. Yeah. They manifest what they want in their lives. And so they constantly have a goal, but they, you got to work for it. You can't oh, sit yes. there and... I wish I hit the lottery. I'm praying I hit the lottery. Oh, I've prayed forever that I'm going to hit the lottery. Well, you got to buy a ticket, fool. <laughs> and then you got to pick the right numbers. Idle hands, by the way. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the scriptures say that faith without works is dead. You have all the faith that you want, but if you don't work toward your faith, what you have faith in, uh, what's the sense in having faith in it? Or, because you're not going to do anything. But here's here's the situation where we are in. This has been controlled since the days of the ancient Sumerians. And uh, Stitchin's work is that, you know, they say, hey, uh, the Sumerian texts are a thousand years older than the Bible. They've got to be more accurate. And they come up with what it is they come up with is the Anunnaki story and how the Anunnaki gave what? Oh, religion and politics to Earthmen. They also gave them uh, a variety of things, but it was actually it, there's only a short mention of it, it within the scripture. It talks about Nimrod, who was a mighty hunter in opposition to Yahweh. That's correct. Yes. Uh, yeah, and, and so now you got to go. Okay, well, two verses, and then it talks about the Tower of Babel, I and mean, there's a whole lot of history that goes on in there. And what we find is that what was given to the ancient Sumerians that basic religion those gods have never changed they've just been handed down from world power to world power to world power to world power and we know them best by the greeks and the romans and guess what rome is still large and in control it's it's not the roman empire it's the roman it's the holy roman empire and that's what the third reich was about that's what uh the eu is about and and with uh, uh britain and brexit 
think about King Henry VIII establishing the Anglican Church, saying, forget you, Pope, I'm going to establish my own church. They just right. did the same thing. They separated themselves from the European Union, or they're trying to anyway. They're in the process thereof. I predicted that based on biblical prophecy, by the way. I also predicted Donald Trump would be president on biblical prophecy. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that. Just, just quickly here, you are referred to as the Einstein of biblical prophecy. How did you earn that that nickname? Uh, it, it was actually very much in the early days that, that uh, somebody that I was consulting with said, hey, you've got to build a platform. you got to do this. you got to do that. Look, you're a scientist, and you use the Bible. Come on, come up with something. <laughs> No, that's so, uh, yes. so it was actually through through a conference of, of a couple of brains that that was mm-hmm. a, that that was chosen. But yeah, because I look at this and then I take the prophecy and then I turn around and apply it. I'll give you some. I'll give you a great example. What we see right now going on within uh, the government. Now I want you to think about something because a lot of prophecies are linked together. Uh, let's go back to 2015. Sure. We had an unprecedented event in 2015, and, and this is something that caught my attention quite largely. It, what did we have in 2015 in September? Didn't we have the Pope standing before Congress telling the United States Congress what to do? Yeah, that, and, that Pope, I, and, you know, it's And why did Bonner break down in tears and resign immediately thereafter? Hmm. Wonder about that. Hmm. So, yeah. Yes. So who, who's running Congress? Congress got their marching orders. Now, here's an interesting thing. Ask who's running Congress. Uh, who showed up in Congress back was at the end of March the same year? Oh, Benjamin Netanyahu shows up and, saw, and talks before Congress. So there you got the full picture. You've got the Zionists and the Jesuits trying to run Congress in the United States. However, the Vatican is one of three city-states. Uh, the other two are the city of London and Washington, D.C., which means that those three territories are above the law of the land in which they reside. The, Washington, D.C. is independent. we got a bunch of independent lawmakers making laws for us, and they're not even part of the country. And by the way, it's the United States, Inc., Incorporated. You know who invented incorporation? Who? The Romans. The Romans, right. You know, you know some people even say today – this time that we live in is no different from Roman times. No, it's not. You know, you think about, and I'm going to draw another two conclusions or show you how we're being controlled here today, was there's a long line of it. Uh, and it goes right back to the first century, right back to Jesus' day. Uh, but we've got really two, two, let's go right, right back to the first century. You've got a very politically fired Jerusalem or Judea, which is being occupied by Rome. The Jews hate the Romans, uh, which actually leads to their downfall. In 67 CE, uh, Rome turns, uh, comes in, captures the city, surrounds it, and for some reason they pack up and they go home, only to come back three years later in 70 CE, lay siege to the city. They, they caught them right during Passover. They caught the city with two, with over two million Jews. Uh, Josephus said that they killed two million and took 93,000 captive, about 93,000 captive back to Rome. Uh, so it, it, now you have this constant conflict between 
to where, quote, the, the Zionist Jews, because if you look back at the factions of that day, they were all attached to Zionism. Well, you hold them all off, or the survivors all off to Europe. And then over a thousand years, they integrate into European society. Most people don't, don't realize it, but all those slaves, the 93,000 captive, were pretty much all bought out of slavery by, before the end of the first century. Uh, go, go fast forward a thousand years, and what do we have? We have the Holy Wars, and there's this one group, the Knights Templar, poor knights, two riders on the same horse. They go back to Jerusalem, they lay siege to the city, and they they kill everybody, man, woman, and child, and then they start digging. Wait a minute. How did they know there was something to dig for? How did they know there was something worth digging unless their ancestors put it there? Which tells you that at least one of those riders on the horse had to have Hebrew roots that went back to the first century. The other rider on the horse, the Jesuits. Uh, I got to Jesuits yes, and Zionists. That's correct. They they control a majority of things if you look into it. And by the way, I just wanted to ask you about the Knight Templar. They are rumored to, I believe, have they were in possession of a holy relic, if I if I remember correctly. Um. There's a lot of speculation that they found the Ark of the Covenant is very yeah. unlikely. That's what I read, uh, but I'm not exactly sure, and I thought I'd ask you. Yeah, th that disappeared before the Babylonians came in. The Babylonians, when they destroyed uh, uh, Jerusalem around 600 B.C., some, some the, the date kind of shifts depending on who you listen to, but they destroyed Jerusalem, and the, that Ark of the Covenant was gone a long time before they, they came in. There's a telltale incident that happens uh, where I believe it's King Manasseh has a pillar of Baal put into the Most Holy. Now, that, that's a, a Washington monument that represents the penis of that god. That's exactly what it represents. How nice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's an obelisk. So wherever you see an obelisk, it's the penis of the god that they're worshiping. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, what I read. Wait, what, what, what's, oh, there's an Egyptian obelisk, obelisk in St. Peter's Square, isn't there? Sure How is. about that? <laughs> yeah, so in the city of London, and the biggest one resides in Washington. What can I tell you? Um, but, uh, and, uh, I'm sorry, I lost my train of it thought. All goes back to, on the obelisk. It, it all goes back to Egypt. Yeah, it, it all makes that connection because, the, and indeed, it's the first world power, so that's where the story comes in. Right. And so we still have those same gods being worshipped today. And I agree with you on that. Now, but but that wasn't where we were going because we were headed somewhere with that and we got totally sidetracked. We were headed in all sorts of directions, to be honest. But, but that's that's <laughs> anyway, the good part of the show, though. Oh. The, the, the Knights, the Knights, the Knights Templar. Knights of Templar, yes. Yeah, here's the thing. The Knights Templar were above the law of the land. They only answered to the Pope. You know how many orders of Knights there are? Believe there's four orders of Knights. Four uh, or five the, the or most, something. Five, five orders? You might be right. There I might think be five so. orders. I, uh, but, yep. Okay. But the, the one I want to focus on are the Knights of Malta. Mm -hmm. Now, remember, the Knights only answer to the Pope, just like in... You know, in medieval times, the, knight an the knights answered to the king. They were above the law of the land. Do you know that every president from Ronald Reagan to George Jr. were knights of Malta? And Obama ha was given a letter of endorsement by the knights of Malta, which means that they are above the law of the land. And when you look back and say, how did they get away with all these crimes? There's a different judicial system for these people. Yes, because they're associated with the knights of Malta. Is that so? Now, I always say that on the program. None of these people ever go to jail. No, they're associated with the knights of Malta. They only answer to the pope. Think about that. I hope that's not true. They, 
Well, it, now, now the law of the land might catch up to them because what did we find? Oh, the pedestophiles and Pizzagate and a bunch of child sacrificing. And who were the biggest child traffickers on the planet? The church. I'll let it go with that. They've got the longest history of it. Look up the work of Kevin and uh, Kevin Annette. And, uh, unfortunately, Kevin went off into wherever he disappeared to, but he was quite popular digging up the history of the First Nations of, of Canada and how children were just disappearing out of these, uh, orphanages that were run by the church. Yeah. Also, Peter, I wanted to just add here, uh, half of my family, they are Jehovah Witnesses. So, you could tell right away, Peter, just by talking to me, that I am definitely the black sheep of the family. I would, you know, it's funny. I had two Jehovah's Witnesses come in, uh, come to my house. It was back around 2001, 2002, somewhere in there, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit later. And I said, you know, I believe a lot like, like you guys do, but I understand the scriptures a little bit differently. And I read them that scripture in Genesis that I had read on the air. And I said, this is obviously a record of genetic engineering. It both They both agreed, and their jaws dropped, and their heads bobbed up and down, and they didn't know what to say. They left. My my son said, Dad, aren't they supposed to read you the scripture from the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> well, m- most of the time you, you find out that you know more than these people who are, are preaching the word. Um, you quickly well, find out after talking to them. But what I was going to add was I would get into these discussions with them um, that their teachings come from a Freemason and um, I also would bring up the fact that the elders of the congregation there, they were always getting into some sort of trouble with the law. Lots of pedophilia going on. And, of course, these people are seen as elders. And what I mean by an elder, that's like some sort of respective figure in that congregation. And they would basically protect these people that were doing these things. And, of course, they would allow them to continue being a part of the, uh, the church there. Uh, I can't speak specifically for situations that go inside some church, but let's face it. It's um, happening. I, Come on I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not doubting it at all. It happens all the way across the board. And when I go back to the story that I told earlier about the, this girl that I was dating at 18, when I had conveniently had alien contact in which they told me they were going to kill me. Uh, and by the way, I survived death 16 times. 16 times? 16 times I should have been dead and I'm still here. So sometimes I walked away just fine. Other times I, I, I've gotten pretty banged up, so I carried quite a few broken bones and scars. You know, I probably but, should have died maybe about two months ago when I fell down a flight of stairs, a really high flight of stairs, and I got up and walked away without a scratch. Yeah, sometimes it, it, I've gone through car accidents like that. Crazy, uh, the right? The most amazing car accident that I was in, I was bringing my son home from college on a road that I had traveled dozens of Tens of dozens of times. Ooh. Beautiful road. A- absolutely b- beautiful road. And I just put my cruise control on at 63 miles an hour so I know exactly how fast I was going, which was quite safe for that road. Mm-hmm. And out of, just set it. And out of n- the tree line went right down the side of the road in this one particular area, area. And out of the tree line, this huge deer jumps out and leaps over the road. And I, I there's no reaction time. As the deer as is in midair, a blue orb comes out of nowhere, blows up like a balloon, and absorbs the impact of the deer and the car's windshield. Wow. Yeah, I've got That's pictures wild. of this on Facebook. Go look at my photos on Facebook. You'll see it. i got to do this. Yeah. This, this deer, beautiful buck, absolutely beautiful buck, big, uh, he literally urinated down the driver's side and... <laughs> 
little, his, a little his rack <laughs> bent the rain gutter on the passenger side, which tells you that his body uh, mid door on the passenger side, which tells you that the deer's body went across the whole windshield. Oh my God! When you look at the windshield, there's a round depression in the glass, which is the same size as the size that the blue orb blew up to. The lead off that was on a Friday evening. The, the lead off story on on the next Monday morning was a family of three hit a doe. They were doing 45 miles an hour. That deer went through the front windshield and out the back and put all three of them in the hospital in critical condition. I'm sorry, it was the second second story on national news. So that was confirmation that you got your life saved by the Almighty. That's crazy. I got, wild to, stuff. I got to see the hand of Yahweh in action. I literally, I drove to a safe place. The car was still functional. The windshield was smashed to hell, but the car was still, still rode well. I, took, I drove oh, it all the way to the body shop. I'm seeing it now. I'm seeing the, the pictures of the car. Yeah, you can see you can see the impact. Is the impact not wow. round? Yeah, it it is round. Yeah, and that deer went across the whole windshield. My son got out of the car, ran back to look at the deer. He said the deer jumped up and and pranced off like it was proud. Now here's the interesting <laughs> thing. This happened in, in uh, the end of October, beginning of November 2010, and it it happened after I said this uh, on Facebook. I I had a, a new age person. I kept on talking about 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, you know, the enlightenment and so forth. And, and I kind of got irritated one day. And I said, yeah, I got 10, 10. I understand 11, 11, 11. I even understand 12, 12, 12. But the dates that we have to be careful of are 3, 13, 13 and 4, 14, 14. And I said it kind of out of anger, but, you know, or frustration. And I thought, why did I just say that? I don't have, know anything about those dates. So I went and I looked them up. Couldn't find anything for 3, 13, 13. However, 14, 4, 14, 14 was the first of the tetrad moons, the first blood moon, uh, uh, four blood moons, which all fell on Hebrew high holidays, either Passover or Rosh Hashanah, the new year. And as a matter of fact, John, uh, Jonathan Cain Kant, uh, wrote, uh, The Harbinger. You're you welcome, Jonathan. Great book. Uh, yeah. Uh, guess who's the first one to find the tetrad moons? Oh my, yes. <laughs> Oh, let's see. Yeah, Jonathan had plenty of time. Uh, I, I sent a copy of Letters to Earth to the History Channel. Uh, when was it? 2010, 2011. Well, what's going on? percent of their programming. What, what's going on with the History Channel? Are, are they still running Ancient Aliens? I, I honestly don't know, but that's one of the things that they that came out after they got a copy of my book. As a matter of fact, I switched publishers. My my publisher called me up one day about a year and a half ago, and he says. He's all excited. He says, they know you. They know who you are. They know who you are. And I was like, who knows who I am? He said, the History Channel. I just talked to, to their head producer, vice president in charge of production. Blah, 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 blah. And, and he, he says, I got the perfect uh, guest for you, uh, the, the author of Letters to Earth. And the producer said, do you mean Peter Quang? Oh, they know you. Yeah, of course. They, I said, of course they know me. I sent him a copy of Letters to Earth for, five, well, last year. It was about, well, now it's about five years ago. And they went through the subject matter of the book, and it changed their programming. It changed about forty percent of their programming. Ancient Aliens is one of the. Have they brought you? Have they brought you on? Oh heck no! They uh, they hate my guts. I, I was offered a, a position with a with one TV uh, crew out of uh, Alberta, Canada. I got the note, welcome. You know, they sent me an email, welcome to the crew. We're looking forward to working with you. But 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 all we got to do is get you past the network heads. 
I made one crucial mistake and I, and I didn't realize it when I was doing it. Letters to Earth contains two chapters which talk about the protocol of the learned elders of Zion. Not only does it talk about it, it draws direct connections, uh, between, which go actually from the Knights Templar through the Freemasons up to the Rothschilds and how they're controlling the Freemasons to, uh, what's going on right up to who's controlling Israel. And as I said, Benjamin Netanyahu telling Congress what to do. Okay. And then the Pope comes in afterward. Very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I draw all the connections and pull them all together. And because I wrote those two chapters, I've been blackballed from everything. As a matter of fact, you would not believe how my life has been since I've written Letters to Earth. One really? disaster after another. They, they've literally taken everything that I've owned. Well, I, I sort of know one of the producers of Ancient Aliens. I'm going to have a little talk with him then when I see him um, when I go out to the Conscious Life Expo. I'll have a word with... I have yet. Oh, you have. You know, I'm going to have a word with uh, multiple people there. Um, I myself am not very liked, Peter. Oh, well, congratulations. Welcome to the club. Yeah, that's what I tell uh, other people, too. Yeah, you know, if they don't like you, there must be a reason why they don't like you. Oh, uh, yes. And I've, I've reached some very high levels on this plan because I've had some major blowback. You'll have to excuse my alarm. Okay, uh, sorry. Yeah, I've got a, I got a letter from, uh, well, actually it was an email from a woman over in England that says, can you explain to me why my copy of your book vanished out of my house? And I write her back. I said, well, I don't know who you are or what you do, but obviously there's something in Letters to Earth that, that you need to know, and someone or something is keeping you from reading that. And this is the second time that I get a, you know, somebody's telling me that their copy vanished. Now, she writes me back. She, she says, well, I'm part of a, a European aristocracy, almost royalty. My family has served the, the crown for 400 years and, yeah, come to find out that daddy read my book too. I won't tell you what kind of repercussions that, that got me, but not on the air anyway. I understand. Yeah, I've got to, I've got to name names and, and we're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know how that goes. But let's just say they're one of the richest families on the planet and you've never heard of them. So. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. Terrible. Uh, yeah. A- absolutely. Uh, they-, they control all the things that we just talked about, essentially. Well, that's, so. uh, and, uh, you know, I'm glad we are talking about this. Let's talk a little bit about current politics right now. And, you know, we are actually seeing Hollywood, uh, eat itself as well. Lots of people being, lots of people being accused of lots of different crimes right now. And, we are also seen in, in the political realm. Um, what's your opinion on Mr. on Roy Moore? Uh, he, he's just another politician with baggage. They all have baggage. If you read what I wrote in, in Letters to Earth, uh, it's chapters 10 and 11 that got me in, in trouble. But anyway, <laughs> it's in chapter 11 where I make uh, commentary uh, on one of their policies, which says we shall choose the presidents. And how they do that is they find or they create some uh, situation in their life, an embarrassment that they don't want to let out into the public. And you know, what better than to film somebody having sex with a child? Uh, so regardless of what happens in Roy Moore's life or, you know, it's hard to say, did, did these women just come up because they were paid or, or did something really happen or, or and you're talking about Alabama, you know, uh, I lived in North Carolina for several years, beautiful up in the Smoky Mountains. Um, but just over the state line in Georgia, there was this, a town called Walhalla. 
And uh, if you were a girl 12 years old, you could get married in Walhalla with your parents' permission. Oh, that's terrible. Uh, I believe it was 14 or 16. 16 for a boy, 12 for a girl. And I, I actually, I personally Yikes. have met girls that have gotten married at that age because they were pregnant. <laughs> so, yeah, well, that's you know they it's think the mountains of North Carolina. I don't bit, know what to tell you. Yeah, you know? damage so control. That's what that yeah, is. It, 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 it's, it's a slightly different culture. And so you get the, the, the politically correct that, that all jump up and down and say, oh, well, this guy, you know, I don't know what to say. It doesn't make any difference in the overall scheme of things. It's just another log on the fire. And it's one that goes really deep. It's one that goes into the, deeply into child trafficking. And these guys are just distraction. Oh, you know, this, this center did, come on. Uh, look at the Kennedy's record. Ted Kennedy left left a drunk woman in his car to drown, and he and he went on to become the kid, the, the the lion of the Senate. <laughs> yes, I you know I always mentioned on this program um, Kennedy. He he was um, the original womanizer in the White House there. Yeah, uh, John, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it, it's so a different that, time that, though. It was different time. Sure, a different time. So you can't turn around and, and go to uh, what nineteen. 19- uh, what, 40 years ago, so you're talking about 1970s Alabama, and, and and some guy likes some some gal, and he talks to her parents, I want to go out with your daughter. Okay, you got a good job. What do you want me to tell you? It's a different culture, but it, like I said, it's a, it's a systemic problem, and it's one that 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 I can't believe is is literally going on. Uh, I think back in my professional career, they were doing uh. You know, office training back back in the seventies on being correct, correct, uh, being sexually correct or being, you know, having a sexually correct attitude where you're not hitting on your workmates or not doing anything to harass them. And, and this is all mandatory training back then. I'm thinking, well, we're having like a bigger problem now than we had back then. Yeah. Bigger problem with race, racial discrimination. Uh, you know, before white men always were kind of like in this ivory tower and everybody hates whitey. But now if you look at the, at the suicide rates across America, more white, the higher percentage of, of white males are taking their own lives only to be surpassed by teenagers. So teenage suicide is, and depression is rampant in this country. Oh, it's really so, high. Yeah. So these are all systemic problems of, of a society which has come to an end. Things need to change and change drastically. Can Trump do it? I'll make things better for a little while. But here's the thing. We go back to you asked about uh, the, the judge here and Hollywood and all these other people. We know where it leads. Uh, we mentioned earlier that, that the church paid out close to $4 billion to cover up their errors. Um, but it, it, And we talked about, hey, the, the Clintons are – not just the Clintons, but all the Knights are above the law of the land. Take a look at it. You got the Bushes and you got the Clintons. Yeah, the rest of them passed away. What can I? Well, I can say Reagan's gone. So, but but look, look what they've been able to get away with that we know that they've gotten away with. And we're saying, really? How is this? Well, I wonder. We go. To, yeah, we go to Second Thessalonians because this isn't going to last. We hear about all these indictments that are being written out and they're supposed to be going out, and they, they've just made a major bust in California uh, over the weekend. Arrested what four four hundred and some odd, mm-hmm. close to 500 uh, in a pedophilia or child trafficking sting. But it's all connected. Now, 
this has to happen. This is all going to come out and it's going to get a lot worse. And this is all connected back into the prophecy in Second Thessalonians, the second chapter, where it talks about the, uh, uh, the man of lawlessness. It starts in the third verse. It says, let no one lead you astray in any way because it will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness gets revealed. The son of destruction. He stands in opposition and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he sits down in the temple of God, publicly showing himself to be a God. Now, it, it goes on uh, in verse 7. It says, true, the mystery of this lawlessness is already at work, but it will, o- but only until the one who is right now acting as a restraint is out of the way. Indeed, the lawless uh, one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will do away with by the spirit of his mouth and bring to nothing by the manifestations of his presence. So this is all going to change. This is all going to be exposed. Uh, and we'll find out where this lawlessness goes. Now, remember I said 313.13? Yes. You know what happened on 313.13? What happened? Something extremely significant, never to happen before in history. On 313.13, the world got its first Jesuit pope. You know, Jesuits are not allowed to hold the office of pope according to Catholic law. So we've got an illegal pope, a man of lawlessness. And when we look at this pope, he's connected to both arms deals between France and Argentina, which were in exocet missiles, which were used to destroy ships during the Falkland War, English ships at the cost of many lives. And he was also named in a child trafficking case. Boy, he's got a long history, doesn't he? And now he's holding an illegal position of Pope because he's also a Jesuit. So is this not an act of lawlessness? Now, not only that... Uh, yeah, he came on this, when he came on the scene in 31313, my, my, I was like, really? Right on schedule? Just like I said, uh, three years ago? Interesting. Actually, it was two and a half years earlier. Uh, so to go back to that, that incident with the deer, I had found the prophecy which would, which connected 313, the spring of 313, to several other prophecies which are in play now. If we take 313.13 and we have an, the election of an illegal pope, that puts us in a, another prophecy, which is Revelation 11. Because the first thing that the Pope does is try to clean up the church. He spent six months trying, uh, cleaning up the church. And we thought he was going to go after the, the, the uh, child predation within the church, but he stopped short there and then absolved the priests of any wrongdoing. If they got caught, they were going to be excommunicated. Okay, so they can go on and do what they want to do, but if they get caught, they get excommunicated. Gotcha. But in... On October 2nd, he released a 41-page treatise, which was the outline for the the post-2015 development agenda. Remember when he came to the United States and he went to the Capitol, he went to the White House, he went to Independence Hall, Mm -hmm. and then he went to the United Nations and he laid out the post-2015 development agenda? Uh, He also declared a year of jubilee, a jubilee of extraordinary mercy, and it was during that jubilee year of extraordinary mercy you had more immigrants immigrating into Europe. There was a stream of Islamic immigrants just pouring into Europe, and it was stand-down borders. Yeah, in 2015. Extraordinary mercy. Yeah, in 2015, Europe was hit pretty hard with that. Yeah. All sorts of immigrants. See, see how that's coming, see how that comes together? But you know, oh, here's yes. something that's interesting. We saw the Pope standing where? In America's holy places. And you go to Matthew, the 24th chapter, 
Now, now, here's an interesting thing that I didn't mention earlier. When Rome first laid siege to Jerusalem in, in the year 67, they undermined the temple wall and they came up inside the most holy. And there was the, the first fulfillment of this prophecy. It said in Matthew, the 24th chapter, the 15th verse, uh, it, it says, when you catch sight of the, the disgusting thing that causes desolation standing in the holy place, and then in parentheses, let the reader use discernment says that in virtually every translation. Then let those in Judea begin fleeing to the mountains. Now, wait a minute. The church murdered my family for, two, for over 200 years. And so I'm seeing a disgusting thing which causes desolation standing in America's holy place, the first country that was founded on separation of church and state. Why is this guy telling my, my congressman what to do? Why is he standing in America's holy places? Think about that. And when I thought, when I saw that, and when, and that put me back into the mind of what I had just quoted in Matthew, the 24th chapter there, uh, let the reader use discernment begin heading to the mountains. We started our off-grid project in 2015 and we found the land and then in 2016 started working on the project. We worked on it for six months this year. That's why you haven't been able to get a hold of me all summer. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've had a difficult time getting a hold of you. That's true. Yeah. I've been off-grid. We've been working on a project off grid to, to literally carve, carve a piece out of the land in order to live and prosper on as this planet goes through the next few years of change. Now here's the thing. When we look at the numbers in Revelation chapter 11, uh, we come up with something quite interesting. It gives two sets of three and a half years. It gives them by, uh, by days and by weeks, but they both add uh, three and a half years and it adds up to seven years. Start seven years from 2013, March of 2013, and take it forward. And where does that bring you? 313.13, it brings you up to what? 313.2020? Huh. There's a lot of predictions for 2020, isn't there? Oh, yes. And I, I wonder why. I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, let's talk about that. What do you see coming in the, in the year 2018 and beyond? Well, here's, I believe, you listen to a lot of the things that are going on. I've been hearing these same things for the last, Five years and, and, you know, like Masara and the, the, um, kind of going back to the gold standard and, and reissuing currency yeah, and all been, these things. Yeah, it, it's just been going on. But however, we're getting closer because now we're seeing cracks in their facade. We're seeing this one thing of child sacrifice, which, which is purely demonic and satanic, clearly demonic and satanic. Uh, and this is something that can literally bring the church down. So here's another prophecy in the making. And Trump is the only president since Reagan who has not had the blessing of the Knights of Malta. Think about that. So the church is running scared because, especially if they're going after the child, after child trafficking, because this is going to lead right back up to the Vatican. And so between this and what's going on with the situ with the Islamic situation and Sharia law wanting to be practiced, oh, what might happen? The banning of all religion. That's what I think is coming. Yeah. And you see, the United Nations, very interesting, the United Nations in their act of freedom of religion, their guarantee of freedom of religion says, yeah, we can worship. You can worship any way that you want unless that religion is deemed a uh, danger to society. Wait a minute, you mean like if I strap a bomb on myself and run into a Starbucks and yell Allah Akbar and go kaboom? That would be a <laughs> yes. danger to society, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, yes, of course. So, so, so why has that religion been allowed to exist? The United Nations already has the, the law in the books. 
What about these pedophile priests? Are they not a danger to society? Yeah. So why do they, why are they allowed to exist? The law is already on the, on the books with the United Nations. It's already there. Already there. So now all we have to do is wait for the prophecies to take place. If you're wondering about prophecies that you can relate to that, that have happened, let's take a look at some past events. We'll go to Revelation, the eighth chapter. I love Revelation, the eighth chapter. Absolutely. Uh, you start off with, with the first, uh, chapter seven. And here's the thing about prophecy. You have to look at the result of the prophecy. What things happen. Okay, uh, these are the trumpet blasts. As the first one blew his trumpet, and there was a hail fire with mingle and uh, uh, ming- hail and fire mingled with blood, and it was hurled to the earth. Now notice what happens: a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green vegetation was burned up. You looked at NASA's pictures of the earth; they've got one satellite which just keeps track of fires. It literally looks like the fires are constantly burning on Earth, and it literally looks like a third of the Earth are being burned up. Uh, how's California this year? A little toasty? Oh, it's pretty burnt out here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's let's take a look at the the next one. It says the second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was hurled into the sea, and a third of the sea became as uh, as blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were wrecked. Let's see, something like a burning mountain. You, you mean like the Gulf oil disaster where we saw this huge mountain type drilling platform that was on fire that went crashing into the sea, and then we saw these huge brownish blood clots of oil, and we saw all the wildlife being covered in it and, and, and being washed upon the beaches. Do you know, a third of the Louisiana fishing fleet was totally wrecked and went out of business. Hmm, interesting. Let's really? go to the next one. It says, a third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star, burning like a lamp, fell from heaven, and it fell upon a third of the rivers, on a third of the uh, springs of waters. Now, the rivers and waters is where we get our drinking supply from. It goes on, it says, this, the name of the star is Wormwood, and a third of the waters turned into Wormwood, and many of the people died from the waters because these had been made bitter. Now, Wormwood, interesting. You know how to say Wormwood in Russian? Chernobyl. Ah, yes. Ah, uh, you know what's about 30,000 times worse than Chernobyl? Fukushima. Oh, yes. As a matter of fact, the French, in 18 months after the Fukushima disaster, the French took samples of water across the United States and found that a third of the water had been poisoned by Fukushima isotopes because Fukushima isotopes are blowing out uh, MOX fuel, which have a definite signature because they, they are plutonium enriched. I'm still not eating seafood, by the way. Oh, I stopped. Yeah, unless I can't. It comes, unless it comes out of the Atlantic, I won't eat anything out yeah. of the Pacific. That's why nothing I stopped. I, nothing that's shipped in. Yeah, absolutely nothing. Yeah, I'm over uh, it. Yeah, l- l- let's go on. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it says, uh, the fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, in order that a third of them might be darkened, and that the day may not have a light for a third of it, and like uh, the night likewise. Let's see, a third of the light of the sun and the moon and the stars dimmed out. You mean like by chemtrails, which uh, dim out 28% of the sun's rays from hitting the Earth's surface? Ah, close enough to a third, 28%, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. chemtrails are covered. How about that? So we've got we got extreme desertification of the Earth and forest fires all over the planet. We had the, the uh, Gulf oil disaster named here. We had not just Chernobyl, but we can throw in Fukushima on top of it, which is worse than Chernobyl and still allowed to burn. And we've got chemtrails as well, dimming a third of the sky. Yeah, making who knows us, what they're yeah, putting up. Making us constantly cough. 
Yeah. Now, interesting thing. Uh, it goes on when you continue to read it. It says, and I, verse 13 says, I heard an eagle flying in mid heaven say with a loud voice, woe, woe, woe to those dwelling upon the earth because of the rest of the trumpet blast of these three angels who are about to blow their trumpets. So what's the next trumpet blast? The fifth angel blows his trumpet and it says, I, and John says, I saw a star that had fallen from heaven to the earth and the key to the shaft of the abyss was given to him. He opened the shaft of the abyss and smoke ascended out of the shaft like smoke out of a great furnace. And the sun was darkened also by the air that out of the smoke of the shaft. And locusts came out of the smoke of the earth. And authority was given them the same authority as the scorpions of the earth have. They were told not to harm the vegetation or any green plant or tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Wait a minute. Open a shaft, an abyss to release a plague? You mean like CERN? Hmm. A little concerning there. What's CERN <laughs> trying to do? Open up the pit to the abyss of Tartarus. Yes. And release a plague upon this earth of alien creatures. Interesting. When you read them, these things are the size of horses. And they have a scorpion's tail. And it says that in those days, the uh, let's see, I'm sorry, let me back up verse 5. And it says, it was granted the locusts not to kill them, but to torture them five months. And their torment was like torment by a scorpion when it strikes a person. In those days, people will seek death, but will by no means find it. And they will long to die, but death will flee from them. You mean like a zombie? Like a zombie apocalypse type stuff? Huh. Interesting. Very interesting. Yes. Yeah, it goes on toward the end of of, of uh, verse nine, where we get a full blown out alien invasion, and so all these stories that people are talking about where aliens. Let's go back to when did aliens first come to to the United States over the past? We'll call it a little bit more than a century. Do you know when the first recorded alien event was? Hmm. When was it exactly? Well, most people think of Roswell, right? That's true, but. No, but it wasn't. Aurora, Aurora, Texas, 1897. An, an alien craft is said to have crash landed in Aurora, Texas, and they buried the they buried the body and got rid of the aircraft. Now you know what else happened in 1897? You had the first Congress of Zion meet in Basel, Switzerland. They were supposed to meet in Munich, Germany, but when the local Jewish population found out that the Zionists had intentions to move them to uh, Palestine, there was such fury among the Orthodox Jews that they moved, the, the, the Zionists moved the, uh, conference from, uh, Munich, Germany to Basel, Switzerland. And it was Basel, it was that meeting is to believe where the, the, uh, protocol of the learned elders came out from. It was believed to be the, me the minutes of the meeting, basically. Uh, it was after Basel, Switzerland that, uh, we, we got the First World War. However, the United States was already captured by the Federal Reserve and through Woodrow Wilson. I record, record all this in, letter, in letters to Earth, the future is yours, so you can understand where we, how we got to this point. But this is the point where it all starts to fall apart. This is the point where these leaders have been losing their grip. Now, will things get better? I, I I'm hoping that, that, that we're going to see things get considerably better because when we go back to Second Timothy, it says, Paul says that the nations shall, when it is that the nations declare peace and security, wait a minute, we can't declare peace or security today, can we? Most people are not broke and, and, there's, and yes. there's not much peace in the world with what's going on in the Middle East, what's going on with North Korea, what's going on in the United States with gangs. 
not a whole lot of peace. A lot of darkness. Yeah, a lot of darkness. But the nations are going to declare peace and security. Security. Now, if you feel secure, you're going to have some money in the bank. Your bills are going to be paid. You gotta have a positive outlook, otherwise you're not gonna feel secure. There's not a whole lot of security in the world right now, especially among, uh, about 99% of the population. Well, we'll say 90% of the population anyway. Uh, so they're gonna declare peace and security sooner or later. So if in order for that to happen, a lot of the nonsense that we're putting up with has to go away. Fantastic. But what happens when they do that? Then instantly destruction is upon them just as the pangs of a pregnant woman. Now, when a woman goes into a pangs of distress of a pregnant woman, when a woman goes into labor, it's not instant birth. That uterus starts contracting and the contractions get closer and closer and faster and faster. And then finally you got a baby born. That's pretty much what we're going to be facing. One difficulty after another. I, I, I said two years ago. Now, let's see, three years ago, when they started to bring all these Islamic refugees into Europe, that they were doing it just in time for a repeat of the, sec of the First World War. Uh, look at what happened 100 years ago. And what we have now is, I mean, what a strategic move. Intelligence said that somewhere between uh, 15 and 25 percent of the people that were in the, the refugee move were religious extremists. And now how many millions of people moved in that would make how many divisions? <laughs> Too you many think to about it. It's a great military coup. It really is. What general wouldn't like that? Do the math. It's absent. And, and now Sweden and Germany are both having massive riots from what the news is, or well, what the Internet news is reporting. But I said I knew it was going to happen. They were setting it up. It was being set up under that year of extraordinary mercy. Thank you very much, Padre. So here we are in this time when things are getting, they'll get better, but then they're going to get worse. That there's something which seems to make them get worse, and it's something that is way beyond our control. Uh, it's something, now, Revelation is not recorded chronologically, but this is something that a lot of people have talked about. We've heard a lot uh, a lot of denial, and, and I'm going to be honest, I don't think anybody who knows is talking, and I don't think anybody who, who's talking knows, but tell me what this sounds like. This is Revelation chapter 6, verse 12. It says, And when I saw that he opened the sixth seal, and a great earthquake occurred, and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the entire moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell to earth as when a fig tree shaken by a high wind drops its unripe figs. And the heavens departed as a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. And the kings of the earth and the high officials, the military commanders, the rich, the strong, and every slave and every free person hid in the caves and among the rock masses of the mountains. And they kept saying to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall over us and hide us from the face of the one seated upon the throne and from the Lamb. Because the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Wait a minute, a great earthquake? Stars falling from heaven? Not being able to see the sun? The, the moon being obscured and looking like blood? Is this planet X or Nibiru making its pass by? Ah, yes. You see, and what would happen? Massive earthquakes? You would have the oceans wanting to leave the seabeds? The mountains and the island groups themselves being removed? Uh, you have the stars falling from heaven. Now, whether, now whether these are the 24,000 satellites plus all the space junk that's out there orbiting Earth, or whether it's the dust from this Nibiru, which is probably most likely a brown dwarf star bringing in a lot of friends with it. Uh, when 
it, it might make it past, but when all that other garbage comes around, it's going to really do some damage. The biggest problem that we're going to have, though, is not earthquakes. It's not going to be the high tides. It's not going to be any any of that. It's going to be the possibility of an electromagnetic pulse, which will shut down the grid. The government's own study said that if the grid is shut down for a year, 90% of the American population would be dead. Yeah, we're done if that happens. Yeah, but not only that. You see, if the grid goes down, there's about 400 future Fukushima's just waiting to happen because it takes years to shut down a nuclear plant. So if they weren't shut in the process of shutting those things down now, they better pump in a lot of fuel and they better harden those, they better harden the electrical grid. Otherwise, we will have one nuclear power plant go off after another. They've only got at best, at best, a six month supply of fuel on hand to keep those puppies running. And what are you going to do? Truck in fuel all the time? Wait, if we have an EMP, isn't that going to blow out all the computerized trucks and cars that we have? Yeah, more than likely. So right. nothing's going anywhere. Yes, and um, I, I know we are kind of running out of time here. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I still have uh, quite a few more questions, and I guess I'll have to invite you again. Uh, there, there's a lot of a lot of yeah. You know, it's kind of hard to put all into one hour. It, it really is, but I, I do want to ask you a few more things. And sure. you know, over the past maybe three four years, this entire flat Earth theory has been very popular. And I just wanted to get your opinion on that. And I kind of use this as the litmus test. Do you believe in the flat earth theory? I was traveling across country when I was 19 years old. And I could swear that when after driving out west from St. Louis that you could shoot a rifle in the direction of Denver. And it was so frigging flat that as long as that bullet followed the curvature of the earth, nothing was going to stop it. Now. Notice I said it was flat in the curvature of the earth. As we were approaching, uh, as we were in Colorado, heading west, I noticed to the southwest is this little tiny dot on the horizon. I can't see it too good. So I get out my the telephoto lens from my camera and I put it on there. And it's 300 millimeter, 280 millimeter lens. And I'm looking out and all I see is this little bump on the horizon. And everything else is wheat fields and whatever else they had planted there and occasional oil pump. Well, we're driving along a little by little. All of a sudden, that bump's getting bigger and bigger. And then I see a bunch of little bumps on the horizon. And then all of a sudden, I can see the tops of those things. And there's the Rocky Mountain chain. Now, remember, I've got a telephoto lens that I'm looking through as well. And then I can see the Denver skyline starting to appear. And then there's everything, the Rockies. I got to see the curvature of the earth, which took about two hours to transverse in order to realize the extent of what I was actually seeing. The earth cannot be physically flat. The models prove otherwise. And people will never believe this. No, they so, won't. No, they'll argue until they're blue in the face. Look up tetrahedons. If you don't want to go to a flat, if you don't want to listen to normal science, go look up tetrahedons. They're, they form around every body in motion, including our human self. A tetrahedon is the only shape that you could use to give an indication of the shape of the creator itself. Uh, a drop of water, because of surface tension, is going to be round. Uh, a drop of water in zero gravity is going to be round. Now, you know, here's an interesting thing. The models also show, and this is something I was always skeptical about, but the models show that while the Earth is a sphere, it can also be hollow at 
the core along the axis. Ah, I see. Yeah, that's what the models do show. Mm-hmm. So whether whether we have a hollow Earth or not, I don't know. But it certainly ain't flat. And if you're a flat Earther, hey, <laughs> it's a, it, it, you know, live with it. They're going to come after you now. Ah, oh, please. I, I, every once in a while, I, I'll, I'll post an anti-flat or something against flat earthers. I think, a, I think one was, um, uh, I said, no, the, the earth's really flat. It's on the back of four elephants, which ride on the top of a germ, a, a giant sea turtle, which is flying through space. <laughs> you know, I, I don't even understand why I even play up to it, to be honest with you. But I, I get those emails all the time from people that are yeah. flat earthers. And, you know, I even brought you in me, a, yeah, an expert. explain it to you? Yes. It's the return of the Anunnaki, Anu, the king of the Anunnaki gods, the gods who gave us religion and politics and enslaved you, the, the entire human race. He is a uh, a god of a flat-domed earth. And that's why we have flat earthers today. Prison planet. Yeah. Well, it is a, pr- a prison planet anyway. Even the scriptures say that. It really but, is. But, but it's it's a prison planet in a different way. If we go to Revelation, the 12th chapter, it says war breaks out in heaven. Now, where's seven? You got those other seven spatial planes that need to exist, and there's got to be life in those planes because they existed before us, and, and we have life in our physical eight, nine, and ten dimensions. Somebody created it, and those other seven planes had to come first. It's just pure science. Um, but we have those entities. And it says, war breaks out in heaven, and Michael and his angels battle the dragon and its angels, and the dragon did not prevail. And so down to the earth it was cast. And as you read on, it says, there's a warning for the earth. Woe, woe, woe to the earth, for the uh, the, the devil and its and his angels have been cast to you, uh, having, and he's having, he has great anger, knowing he has a short amount of time left. Look at what has happened to this planet over the past hundred years. Look at what has ha- happened over the past 30 years, just with... Computers and now artificial intelligence. Yeah, you see, lots we're on of, a high, we're on a highway to hell. Lots of uh, insane medical breakthroughs. Yeah. Now the interesting thing is, uh, people say, "Oh, the devil, you're crazy." Well, wait a minute. Let's go back to this other subject of child trafficking, child sacrifice. Who do you think they're sacrificing these children to? That's a whole other story. That's a whole other show. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up though, because on um, one of my last interviews I did with Mr. Robert David Steele. He talked about the military being one major entity in child trafficking today. Do research on the Dynacor. Uh, what is it? Dynacor or Dynacor? I think so. Yes. Dynacor. I think Dynacor. Dynacor, Dynacor goes in and, and they, they have a very interesting way of looking at war. Total devastation, total shock and awe, but not only just to go in and kill uh, they, their modus operandi when they're hired as, as a private contractor is to go in and kill all the men, take the women and children hostage, and then either use them for body parts or sell the children into, they become human slaves and into the child trafficking rings. No, it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like the Old Testament in a way where they, you know, they tell you who to kill, who to enslave and keep the young virgin girls, but of course share them with the church. Uh, yeah, and it's it's just gotten to the point of being sick, and it's beyond sick. It's it's satanic. It's very it's dark. It's pure satanic. And so when we look at this and say, oh, there's no devil, well, wait a minute. Just look at the world around you. Yeah. Now, the, the great thing is once we go through all this mess, because when you get into Revelation uh, the 19th chapter, we have the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who shows up with the armies of heaven. To finish the job that they started in chapter 12, 
You see, and that's where that thousand years of peace starts. We're already on that timeline. This stuff is all being exposed. It's all coming about. But there's, you can't ignore the scripture which says, the nation shall know that I am Yahweh. In other words, the nations that are ruling now are going to know that it's not some natural disaster. It's not some alien invasion. That this is actually the creator who is making the setback or, or resetting the clock, so to speak. Now, the great thing is, those of us who can live by a very simple law, and it's, it's, I've got 50 years of education in, in both in scripture and in science. And to bring it all down to one simple thing, as simple as I can make it, it all comes down to the greatest commandment. When Jesus said, you must love your neighbor, uh, you must love Yahweh your God with your whole heart, soul, and mind. And now interesting, heart, soul, and mind. That's our completeness. And the second like it, you must love your neighbor as you do yourself. He said, on these two commandments, the law and the prophets stand. And it's surrounded about, around love. Now, remember what I said, the concept of the create, of the creative power, this, that, that, that singularity, the pure dynamic energy had to come up with the concept yes. of love. Mm-hmm. Here's an interesting thing. When we make love, guess where we are? We are in alpha. If we pray, we are in the state of mental state of alpha. If we are creative in creating our future, we are in the mental state of alpha. When we go back and we look at the record in Genesis, when we look at the record at the end of Genesis 2, Adam and Eve are naked. They're good. They're in alpha. However, when we look at what happens after they eat this poisoned fruit with the genetic worm in it, uh, they go into this, they have, they have a state change and go into beta. Right. Beta is where the uh, fight and flight response is. It says they heard the, word, the voice of God and became afraid and hid themselves. Yeah. That is a beta state. Fear. So we know, yeah, fear. So we know that something happened. Now, here's the thing. If we are able to consciously put ourselves in a state of alpha while everyone around us is losing their minds, being afraid of what's happening, what happens to us? You see, we don't experience the fear. And if we, and if we make that connection with the creator, if we are his children, and it's interesting, you go to Genesis chapter three, verse 15, the first prophecy of the Bible where it says, I shall, this is God talking to the serpent. He says, I shall put enmity between your seed and the woman's seed. Wait a minute. Seed? Genetics? Yeah. There's two different seeds on the face of the planet and we're, because of things like intermarriage and premonocta and all that other stuff, mm-hmm. we, we carry both strains. It's just which one is more genetically dominant. But you see, it's the woman's seed which will continue and the serpent seed will be destroyed. So there's enmity which comes between those two. So the people who can revert back to that Gaia love, if you want to call it that, although that's actually a misnomer because Gaia is a, a, just another god. It's not the woman of Yahweh. The right. woman of Yahweh is, is the cosmos itself, the, the, the life-giving energy that the planet itself has. The whole cosmos is alive. Um, and so we have this creative power that gets handed down to us. Once we make the claim, we can make that claim if we're human, if we have a conscience, if, if we, we long for good things, if we hate the vile things that we see, Interesting, it says that those who are sighing and groaning over the earth are the ones that are going to pass through this time period of change that the Bible calls Armageddon or God's war. 
And so it's being able to put ourselves in that state of love, to connect in prayer and to connect in meditation, which allows us to make it through this, this time period. Now, the fantastic thing about this is that once we make it through this, and we just have to be, it, it's simple. It's all based in love. Once we make it through this, we have a fantastic future. I write about it in Lotus to Earth. However, it only goes so far. Yes. You see, it, it only, you get to the end of the Bible and it says that new scrolls would be open. What are those new scrolls? This is something I had to see. I had to see for myself. And I actually was about a third of the way through writing Lotus to Earth. And I literally took my laptop off my lap because I, I was covering the very sensitive subject matter. And I knew that if they didn't want me dead before, they were going to want me dead now. So I literally took my laptop off and, and set it down. And I went into a deep meditative prayer and put myself right between, right before the throne of the Creator. And I beseeched him. And I said, Father, I need to know that I can make it through whatever is, whatever comes at me. I can survive everything, but I need to know what happens after. I need to know what happens, what the next step is. Yes. And instantly I was taken away from the throne and I was zinged across the, the universe beyond light speed. And I was being, and then I was being shown planet after planet after planet. And they all look like earth, just different variations of it. And we finally slowed down and we kind of like went around this one planet and we stopped. And I was told, this is your planet. All the people that live, that will live on this planet will be your children and your offspring. Earth is only the beginning. Think about that. Earth is only the beginning. Right. Arthur C. Clarke had a good indication of this in, in uh, his two books, which became movies, 2001 and 2010, with the Star Child. Mm-hmm. See, the Star Child was to ensure uh, that we would not destroy ourselves but have a great future. And that whole concept is all laid out within the scriptures itself through the remnant or through the um, – the bride of Christ or the 144,000 rulers with Christ, they're all star seeds, all star children that ensure the future of the human race. And we now know that there are billions and billions and billions of galaxies out there, and each galaxy's got hundreds of billions of suns, and about 20% of them have planets. The question is, how many have an Earth-like planet? Billions yeah. and billions. Yeah, we're and there's life that. on those planets, too. There's one thing missing. The human population. But that's coming. This is the next chapter. So you see, we, we are, we have a fantastic future. We have this great future. It's just that we can't get involved in all the politics and all the craziness that's going on in religion. Even in Revelation 18, chapter 18, when religion falls, people, the the edict goes out by God, get out of her, my people, unless you want to share with her sins. So, you know, we're told, to become spiritual. Religion is going to be destroyed. It's the spiritual aspect that will get us on to where we have to go. It's not religion. Religion destroyed the Bible. Yeah. You look, you look at what the church teaches and look what's, what's written in the scriptures and they've destroyed the information. Science ignores the scriptures. They laugh. The, the unfortunate thing is academia has been educated to the point of ignorance. They will not accept anything new, any new truths. Come up with a new truth and present the evidence, and they will laugh you out of their classrooms. Of course. That's just the way it is. Yeah. So we have to educate ourselves and each other. 
That's why we're here. That's why one of the reasons I do these shows. And it's interesting. It's not just me that has information. We all bring puzzle pieces together. I was listening to, I listened to several of your older shows and I think, wow, what great guests. And they all bring some piece of the puzzle in. Oh, yes. Yeah. By assimilating all that information that we're able to understand and comprehend the future. The thing is, people don't comprehend the Bible. They think, oh, the Bible, oh, the religion, oh, screw that. I don't want anything to do with that. Slam. Get out of here. You know, and they don't realize it. They don't, they never come to the realization that the Holy Scriptures or the Scriptures are a 6,000 year history of alien involvement in human affairs. And, uh, Peter, I hate to do this, but we have to wrap it up now. And <laughs> I, I do want to leave you with some more final words and, of course, plug anything you'd like, your website perhaps. Sure. You know, I, it's been an absolute joy. I, I, when you said, oh, you have about an hour, I was like, yeah, that ain't never going to be enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew right away. I just thought, oh, no, we, we, there's so much uh, ground to cover that an hour is just not nearly not enough. Yeah, and, and there really isn't. I mean, I, we just skimmed over it. There's oh, I know. lots I even, of things that are going on. I, and boy, I only asked you like five, six questions, to be honest. So, well, you I'm know. more than happy to come <laughs> back any time that you would like me to be back on your show. And so th- there's, I'll be on, I'll be back online, I guess, probably until mm, April somewhere. Uh, hopefully okay. April will be back, back off the grid again. April, and uh, we'll finish up our project this year. Or at least get it to the next level. So that, that'll be positive. But it's been an absolute joy to be on your show. Oh, it's been Those, an honor to have you on. Ah, my pleasure all the way. If you've not read Letters to Earth, look it up on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. The actual title is Letters to Earth, The Future is Yours. Uh, I I might actually write another book that will tell you how to control your future and how to invent your future and how to be part of a fantastic, new, thriving future because we have so much ahead of us. Uh, And it's just... You know, looking for that light at the end of the tunnel, and now we're starting to see cracks in the regime uh, as it stands. We're starting to see the paradigm changes. We're starting to see uh, the exposing of all the lawlessness and maybe the end of this uh, two-tier justice system. Oh, yeah, people are waking up. Yeah, people are waking up to this two-party system that's been driving us into the proverbial ground for so long now. This a big broken system. I think people are starting to slowly wake up to it. Yeah. So hopefully things will get better, but we still have the Nibiru effect, as I, I call it, or, Correct, or yes. event. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be something which is going to take faith and preparation. You know, trust me, cities are going to become death traps. They, they, if they, if you live in a city already, you're, you're living in a death trap. Uh, it's best if you want to move, do it now. I live, be- peaceful. I, I live below sea level. It's a death trap now. Yeah, yeah, if you, live below, <laughs> you couldn't get me to live below sea level. It, it, I it's live hell below. out here. Yes, I live in a place called El Centro, California, and um, our city's motto is where the sun spends the winter. <laughs> Gee, wonderful. Terrible. What do you do, what, what do, you do in the summer? To dine. Ah, uh, I suppose. We're on the side of, of the mountain uh, up in Maine, northeast, and it's absolutely it's beautiful. It's beautiful there. I, I can only imagine yeah, it, it, it's hot up there. When the temperature reaches into the 80s, then it's hot. 85 degrees, believe it or not, on the side of the mountain is hot. 65 degrees, we're working in T-shirts or just take the shirt off altogether. Oh, I missed that. 85 yeah. is is normal here. Yeah, so, and the, the great thing is out there, most of the time there's no chemtrails. 
Uh, we'll see them spraying. They all go east for, from us. Uh, you got clean air, clean water, trees everywhere. And we're, we're hoping to, what we're desiring to do is build an off the grid spiritual healing center where people can actually come spend some time and enjoy the great outdoors. And, Very nice. Get away from living on the grid. You do not realize how toxic living on the grid is until you come back. Um, I've been back now for mm-hmm. uh, almost three weeks. The first week was hell. It really was. It, yeah. Sleep patterns were gone. It, it was just absolutely terrible. I could feel the effect on my body. Appetite was shot. Um, oh, damn. It, yeah. It, it just yeah, just from. You. Just from, uh, being, having, being bombarded with all the radiation that we have, whether it's the cell phone tower, the oh, neighbor's yeah. Wi-Fi units, or, you know, the electric in your own house and the smart meter that's attached to it. The ringing in your ear. <laughs> that too. I'm sure you miss that. Oh, absolutely. You know, it, it's interesting. Up on the side of the mountain, you listen for things that are far away because you can hear for such a long distance. Isn't that great? Yeah. It's beautiful. It's like, I, I love the sound of silence sometimes. Yeah, it, it's like it's so quiet that you can then start to pick out the different noises that you hear, and you realize that you're listening to things that are maybe 30, 40, 50 yards away. Interesting. Yeah, it, yeah. And, it's, and at night the stars come out, and you look up, and it looks like the sky is alive. How They're wonderful is that? all over the place. Yeah, that's beautiful stuff there. So yeah. once again, Peter, I, I would just love to have you back on the program. It's been a great time, and we'll have to do this again. Absolutely. F- folks, again, Letters to Earth, the future is yours. You can stop by my Facebook page, come and be a friend, or visit my uh, website, www.peterkling.com. If you'd, love to, if you'd like to make a donation to help us out, uh, we'd love you to make a donation and absolutely Wish it back to you ten times. That's universal law. Whatever you put out, you get back tenfold. So always put out good, positive vibrations. They'll all come back tenfold. With that, I'm going to say love and blessings. Michael, thank you again for having me on as a guest. And uh be more than happy to come back anytime. No problem, Peter. Stay safe out there. Absolutely. Right. Good night, my friend. Good night. And that was Peter Kling. Great guest. And looking at the time here. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go on a little break, and when I return, I'll just wrap up the program. i got a couple of things to address here. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the program. Often imitated but never duplicated, as you know by now, this is Michael Deacon, and we are indeed live right now on the TuneIn Radio app. Of course, you can find that by searching End of Days, and you'll find the 24-7 network. Also, keep note, you can find this program on YouTube rather easily. Just type in End of Days, and eventually you'll find the program. I forgot to mention this. Did you enjoy your Thanksgiving? I had some fun. Got to be with the family there. That's always fun. A number of listeners wished me well. A few other listeners not, not so happy. Kind of remarkable, really. Some people got a little angry that I haven't been on on the usual time here doing the old song and dance. I I hope you understand. I do have a family at times that I have to uh, attend to every now and then. Don't get too upset with me. I'm not usually around them at all. I am the black sheep of the family. I'm sure you all know that by now. Some strange things going on around the globe here. 
President Donald Trump now claims that the Access Hollywood tape on which he boasted of sexually assaulting a woman may not be genuine, according to a report here. Trump, of course, faced calls, if you could remember, to step aside from the race after that tape went public. Of course, he apologized for all of that, dismissing them as a locker room talk. And then, of course, we have Mr. Moore accused of sexually molesting a 14-year-old girl, making sexual advances towards several teenagers in the early 1970s when he was in his early 30s. Of course, your friend out there, Al Franken, he, of course, has surfaced once again. In one of the first interviews, he spoke a little bit about the accusations. Of course, he says he's embarrassed and ashamed. Well, I would be too. I think that the only reason why he's embarrassed and ashamed is because he got caught. Oh, yeah. It's interesting, though. I wonder how many of these people will come back after all of these allegations. As I mentioned before, Hollywood essentially eating away at itself. A new shooting every now and then. This is 2017 in a nutshell. Who can fully recover from this? We will have to wait and see. Very interesting. Almost time to go. Don't worry. I'll leave you with some more uh, final words here. I do want to thank all of you for listening. It's been quite some time. I do appreciate all of you out there who do listen to this program during your travels. That's always a good time to listen to this program. I'm always surprised to read emails from the listeners being extremely nice. I'm not used to being complimented, to be honest. I'm used to being insulted. I like that. It's, it's a lot more fun. I do thank all of the nice compliments I did receive over the little hiatus there. I also wanted to say, Mr. Michael Telstar, do you remember him? I wanted to mention that name, Michael Telstar. I'm now his manager. Can you believe that? that that's insane, right? I'm his manager now. Strange, right? I do want to thank him for recognizing fellow top talent. I'll get into that much more later. The show is growing every day. It's not stagnant. It's not a stagnant project like many other imitators out there. My respect to all of you for listening to this to the very end. It's very overwhelming, to say the least. I can never really get over all the nice things that so many of you have said. Amazing, really. Truly amazing. Now, I, I, I had some other things to go over, but it's going to take a little too much time. I, I did want to mention another great musician out there, Morrissey, under fire, of course. He said some pretty strange things, uh, some things that he probably shouldn't have said. You could look that up and read about it. Yeah, I was going to go over that, but, you know, we are kind of out of time here, and I do want to thank all of you out there, especially the international listeners who tune in, especially Germany and the U.K., of course, Canada and France, who just popped in and out here out of the rankings for whatever reason. Usually they are down at number eight or nine in the top 10 countries who tune in live here. It's it's remarkable that the international listeners um, stay up to listen or wake up early to listen to this. It's incredible, really. Special thanks to all of you. As usual, we celebrate again. It's been a very triumphant year for this program, a wonderful year, and I hope all of you out there are experiencing the same. I hope the good fortune spreads all over the place, really. If you enjoyed this program, I, I do want you out there to be aware that you could help fund this little project here if you go to michaeldeacon.com and donate a few dollars. That's always nice. It keeps everything rolling. 
like a nice, well-oiled machine. I'll be back next week. I'm Michael Deacon. Thanks for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody.